And welcome back to another episode of Coaching with the Bible. This is episode 152, season 3, episode 43. Portion of the week, this week is known as the portion of Re'eh. It is the fourth portion in the fifth book of the five books of Moses. Stay with that math right there. Means we're closing in, as always, on completing the five books of Moses for the third time together, having then covered some near 160 different ideas around coaching and leadership in the workspace, in the home, in ourselves. This week's topic is vacation. The last couple of weeks, I spent a lot of time away from work. Last week with my son overseas in Budapest. This week with my wife up north here in Israel and really getting away. Doing our best to be on vacation. Vacation is a subject that for a lot of people with respect to their work, with a lot of people with respect to their lives, is not something that is, I would say, planned in the way that their work is planned. Yes, people plan vacations, and perhaps we'll talk about that along the way today. But in the sense of that, can you be a, can, is vacation part of my leadership, or is vacation a break from my leadership? Is vacation part of, of my personality as a higher performer, Or is vacation something separate and distinct where I can breathe for a minute and not be a high performer for those minutes? And in doing a lot of reading, a lot of articles, a lot of research on the subject, you realize that there is a way to vacation, for lack of a better term, as a leader specifically. Meaning that, you know, just sort of Taking a day and crashing in your bed is one version of that, and maybe that's your vacation. But there is a way and a a process and even potentially policy that can be put in place in companies with teams that can create what would be effectively a better vacation policy, but also make you actually a better leader in the space of your team. Let's get to that. So in the Bible, where we're talking about this specifically, the Bible doesn't talk about vacations. And on some level, the notion of leisure time um, to the religious person is somewhat anathema and difficult to comprehend because there's always sort of the idea of a commandment of um, religious study, of religious practice, which never takes a break. It's sort of, uh, to use a baseball term, it's the Cal Ripken of, of everything in some manner, meaning that there are no breaks from those kinds of things. The religious person is always a religious person. There's no vacation from the faith in that way. But at the same time, what the Bible does do, and this is really where this sort of jumps off, it does talk on multiple occasions about sanctifying time in specific manners and specific ways and celebrating those times in specific manners and specific ways. And so earlier on in the Bible, when it talks multiple times about the Sabbath, And so the Sabbath is a consecrated, sanctified time once a week, right, where the person is separated and disconnected and distinct from everything else that's going on during the rest of their week. So even in the modern world, people have, you know, taken upon themselves a digital Sabbath. We talked about that once before, where they disconnect from their devices and technology for a period of time 
They're sanctifying time in a certain manner. The Bible in this week's portion does that about the holidays. So it's the second or the third time, actually, the third time, I believe, in the Bible where it goes through the main holidays on the Jewish calendar um, and talks about sanctifying those times. In sanctifying the time, in separating that time, in consecrating that time, you are forced or you are directed to focus your attention and your actions in a certain manner, in a certain way that is different than what you're doing the rest of the time. And so either you're focusing on something to celebrate, something historical, something ag- agricultural, uh, something personal, whatever that may be. And therefore, the other things that you would do normally are set aside, pushed away, uh, separated from what you're doing. And so it's holy time. It's literally a holy day. Not a holiday necessarily, but a holy day. And so it fits in the vein of understanding and thinking about the concepts of vacation uh, writ large um, and really specifically sort of how we think um, about what that is. So when we come to the notion of vacation as a person, as a leader, we also have to do that. It's important for us as the leaders. Again, leaders for ourselves, leaders for our homes, leaders for our families, leaders for our teams, leaders for our companies, leaders for our communities. And being able to take that kind of a break. But there's even further understanding of how that actually works. There's a great quote from uh, Maya Angelou, which is as follows. Each person deserves a day away in which no problems are confronted, no solutions searched for. Each of us needs to withdraw from the cares which will not withdraw from us. It's basically the idea that the things that are on our mind, the things that are swirling through our consciousness and our brains on a day-to-day basis are always with us. They never leave us. But if we never leave them, then we never have a chance to rest, recharge, recalibrate, refocus, get outside the box, think bigger, all the benefits mentally that come from that space and that break. And so it's important that we do this and the ability to separate. Rabbi Lamb, Rabbi Norman Lamb, who was the the rabbi at the Jewish Center in the Upper West Side of Manhattan, also the president of Yeshiva University for many, many decades, uh, has a sermon that I believe he delivered, I think it was in 1964, Uh, to his congregation on the subject of vacation. So it was just before the summer was to kick in, and he wanted to speak to his community about how they could think about and how they should think about vacation. And the term, um, the the title of the presentation was uh, Vacation as Vocation, Vacation as Avocation. He was always great with a good title. And basically what he breaks down is that there are different ways to think about how a person goes on vacation. And so he was talking about in a religious sense, in a theological sense, um, and what he says is there are sort of three approaches to it. So there's the first person who is, you know, disgusted or, or, or disgruntled or uncomfortable with the idea of vacation 
uh, whatsoever. You might call them a workaholic. The idea that a person would have spare time, the idea that a person would, quote unquote, waste time on doing some sort of leisure activity, that's a workaholic's uh, mentality. And there's something, I would say, a little bit to that, right? We Typically speaking, um, as he quotes in the sermon, um, you get into less trouble from overwork than overplay. So the first one is that, they, they, but it's not good. That's really not a healthy way to go about it. Admittedly, when you do the research on the subject, the idea that in uh, you know the Middle Ages people took vacations is you know hard to imagine, or the early part of the 20th century that people were taking long extended vacations. Maybe they had a weekend, or maybe they had an added holiday in there and got them an extra day. But if a person is working on a farm, they're working on a farm all the time. The agricultural society is always at work. There are no days off from that. There's no almost no retirement even. Um, in that space as well. So aspect number one, Reverend Lamb mentions, is sort of the workaholic one. Number two, he calls, is vacation as vocation, that the vacation itself becomes the job. Vacation becomes the goal, and it's really sort of a goal towards uh, lifelong leisure, having all kinds of extended time to oneself to pursue all kinds of different interests and hobbies and all that other stuff, and no work. And he's not necessarily a fan of that either. It's a nice ideal, but it's not reality. It's not realistic uh, per se. The third one he talks about is what vacation as avocation. The vacation is a sort of what you would call a hobby, an important and necessary diversion. So a person is, no, no, is not a slave to his work, and it's also not a slave to his indulgences and to his hobbies. It's a rhythmic mix of work and play. And sort of what you see in the Bible's structure of Sabbath to work day. So six days of six days a week it's work, and one day of Sabbath, or you know, many weeks of that sort of construct, and then a holiday sort of pops in. And then you sort of have that rhythm uh, about it. And so it's an interesting way to sort of think about the different things that a person can do in a religious sense, um, and how it, one, one can think about the structure and the nature of it. So in a sense. The, the Bible and the religious community, religious practice and theology is not opposed to a person having, quote unquote, time off. It's really then becomes a question of what does a person do with that time off? What is the benefit of having that kind of time, that kind of space when the person is not, quote unquote, at work, when a person is not, quote unquote, in the office or with the team? So it's really important to sort of think about a how, how we do that. And so... That's the religious space of it. If you look through all the, the religious literature as well, um, there was a great presentation by Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg. I'm always quoting from the rabbis. It's just the way that is. Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg is a rabbi currently in Florida uh, who gave a presentation years ago on uh, the idea of leisure, um, whether or not, quote-unquote, leisure is kosher or not kosher, uh, and how we think about it. Then he quotes many, many sources of leading religious figures talking about and talking to their students uh, about the idea of taking uh, breaks and resting and sleeping and physical activity and physical exercise and have some leisure time and some downtime. Because ultimately, in their case, it was the idea about it being a part of their pursuit of a greater, deeper, more meaningful experience and understanding of the faith. But it's there. Cut, paste, move over now to the other side of it. And 
what's going on in the world with respect to vacations and leadership in the, in the other space of it. So we're expanding out our horizons. How are we thinking about this, moving into the space in the domain of our, uh, our worlds around us, not the religious community per se, but I would say this following thing, very important. Uh, even when I served as the rabbi of a small community, um, it was important that we figured out how to get away um, for a few days and not be the rabbi. So you can't vacation at home, that doesn't work. And you can't vacation inside the fishbowl. So you need to get away, um, even if it means, you know, going an hour away or even 10 minutes away, but away from that regular space where you're viewed and seen and operating in a certain manner and getting away. So even back then, we would try uh, to get away for a couple of days or get away for a weekend, take our kids, you know, to, you know, somewhere so that we could be a family and not be in the bowl of being uh, the rabbi, uh, the rabbi family in that community. Okay, anyway, so flipping over to the other side. So what's important also to appreciate is this, is that by and large, uh, people, certainly in the United States, by and large, people in the United States do not actually take the number of days off that they are allotted um, in, on an annual basis. It's an important sort of think about it. Like the average person in America takes, um, the average person takes somewhere between 10 and 13 days a year uh, on uh, vacation in the, United, in the United States. That's really not a lot. Uh, I was looking up uh, data in terms of which countries have the most paid vacation days in the world. Uh, and amazingly, Iran was at the top of that list, the number one country in the world with the most paid vacation days was Iran, which sort of shocked me. Um, but okay, like, what are you going to do about that? Where I'm located now in Israel, the number is, I believe, 25 is the number of days, um, paid vacation days uh, in, uh, in Israel. The U.S. was 10, uh, according to those recent research. Number of, the number of vacation days, um, paid vacation days in the United States was 10 days. It was third to lowest in, on the data set, uh, which is an extraordinary factor. In terms of how one thinks about that, so I think that's something to sort of think about how that actually works. And like, you know, it's a country that would appear to be the wealthiest country in the world that has a lot of, you know, it's a leader in industry, a leader in economy, a leader in success, you know, per capita kind of thinking, and yet people don't seem to be taking breaks, don't seem to be allowed to have the breaks that perhaps that they need to actually get uh, better and to be able to do the things that they want to do uh, with their lives. And so we have to sort of appreciate that as much as we talk about this and think about this, it's not actually something that actually people are in fact doing. So what we can appreciate is also the following thing. In fact, according to the research, simply just planning, planning a vacation creates a natural boost in happiness uh, to a person, which is understandable. It's sort of that, that sense of that, you know, impending dopamine hit from the excitement of getting on that plane and relaxing and breathing, could appreciate that leading up to that, that planning of it, even if it's stressful at work, is there's something to that, there's a happiness uh, factor. And that the reality also is that even though some of the articles I read talked about taking extended vacations like three weeks, which I think for most people is hard to imagine, unless they're in certain European countries, three weeks consecutively, the reality of the research is that it doesn't require an extended period of time 
uh, being a way to create the effect and the impact that one is seeking, but rather it's the manner in which a person actually does it. So if the, the research was doing research on six factors, health status, mood, tension, energy level, fatigue, and satisfaction, and so in measuring it against people who took long weekends versus people who took longer vacations, that it, it didn't matter, that in both groups, long weekends and long vacations, each of them reported higher levels of well-being before, during, and after vacation, uh, whether it was a long or short vacation. So it really mattered more in how it was uh, executed as a vacation. So let's keep that all in mind as we go into this next part of it, which is this. It is important to do a vacation properly, planned, executed properly, being mindful of what the goal of the vacation is, what the pitfalls that may be, what the intentions are, and the support and the accountability during. Let's explain. It's a great article that I read by a gentleman by the name of Christian Muntain. I think I butchered that last name. I apologize. He works with a lot of, uh, he's a coach, executive coach, really high performance uh, coach. Uh, and he tells his clients to take vacations. Like the, one of the things he tells them, take a vacation. And he says he gets all kinds of pushback and all kinds of you know, arguments and disagreements and excuses about why a leader, a business owner, a CEO cannot take a vacation. And he basically says it's an excuse. And he writes, and this is in his article, taking a vacation is one of the most potent organizational development exercises you can implement, but only if you take one the right way. It's highly valuable and important for the success and the development of the team and of the organization when the leader takes a vacation for two reasons. Number one, he says, owners can't sell businesses that can't operate without them. So if you're so integral to the team that at every moment you have to be there, then how valuable is the product you're producing and how valuable is the company that you've built if you step away for a little bit of time and it just falls apart? How You'll be there for the rest of your life. They'll actually drag you out in a box at the end of that because you will not be able to move on from that work, from that company, because you haven't done something crucial to your work, which is build a self-sustaining operation, scalable team that can manage the operation without you. That's number one. Number two, your best ideas most likely happen outside of work. Think about that. A lot of the great uh, CEOs talk about how their best innovations started with their thinking that they took, to, took place while on vacation. Elon Musk talks about it. Um, Tim Cook at Apple talks about it as well. Others, certainly before them, Bill Gates has this week of thinking where he goes away for a week and just reads and thinks. The best ideas were coming out from those spaces. So that's what he writes in the article. Now, to be able to take a vacation the proper way takes work before, during, and after. Before is the planning of the vacation and setting up the team and the company in a proper manner so that everything goes great while you're away. During is the actual execution of the leisure time activity, vacation, trip, whatever it may be. And then after is how you come back to the team 
once you are now back from that vacation. All those things take planning, and he, he sort of sets it out. And so obviously the obvious benefits of the change of environment and the disconnection are good for the mind, mind, body, and soul. But this is his plan. I think it's really interesting. So he says, first, set time in advance, two, two days, three days to prepare the team. The team knows you're going on vacation. That's great. They may, not, they may know that a couple of weeks in advance. But now as you're coming close to the actual time, prepare the team. So have less outside uh, meetings with clients, sort of wind that down. Two, wind up the time spent with the team so that they're clear about how things are being delegated, who's responsible for what, how they're communicating among themselves, and be really clear about the intention of being away. So you wanna set the expectation level with the teammates about what you'd like to be able to do while you're on vacation, okay? And how that could go on without you. The likelihood, I read this in a bunch of articles, that they're gonna break the company or break the team while you're away in such a short period of time is almost zero. But have people in place. Building great teams is a key to having great vacations. It also works on the flip. Leading by example here, by showing the team that you want to be completely disconnected, by talking about how important that is for you as a leader to be really off when you're away, is almost a protocol to them and an indicator to them about how they can be expected to be able to vacation when it's their time to be away. And that's okay and it's expected and it's accepted that that's the way we do this. You want us to talk about you know, working hard, which is great, but you also want to talk about how the team plays hard and also vacations hard along the way. So first, again, is slowing down as you come in, setting time with the team to be crystal clear about how it's going to go while you're away. Two, block the time away completely so you really are away. Don't read industry news. Don't comment on articles on social media like LinkedIn while you're away. Even if you think it's leisure, it's actually putting you back into the mind of work and doesn't allow you actually to breathe and to break for extended period of time. You get like short hits as opposed to extended periods of time in there. And then on the way back in, on the way back in, don't immediately jump back into meetings with clients and customers. First, come back to re-enter, catch up with the team for a day or two, and then start planning that for day three, day four, day five, day six, after that. So give your time with your team before and after, really important, because there's a lot that probably went on while you're away that you need to catch up on. You don't want to get overwhelmed, obviously, but it's important to sort of do that. The key here also then, and the last thing, which I think was super interesting, so there's something that's called that in the military, things the Marines do, which is called an after-action review, where they, after a mission, they'll do an immediate uh, review of what worked, what didn't work, how they could be better next time kind of a thing. And so he advocates for an AVR, which is an after-vacation review. What did I try to do? What actually happened? What did and did not go well? Why did it not go well? And how and in what way can I improve for the next time? Because there will be a next time. I think that's a really great structure and a great plan uh, for how you can do this um, as an individual. And I think that that's a 
a way that you can be a leader around it as well. That if you set that as so almost like a, a company vacation protocol, that's great. Now, there is, of course, room for working while you're on vacation, but there is a line between working on vacation and becoming remote work. And when it's too much or it's too often or too many interruptions, then it becomes remote work and not actually vacation. And so that balance is really important. And that's where that support team is really important, where the person you're with, spouse, travel mate, travel buddy, whatever it may be, children, who hold you accountable to the vacation um, and not the work that you're not, quote unquote, not doing, but actually doing while you're actually on vacation. It's super important um, to have that. And so this is sort of how that works as a construct for you as the leader, for you to implement team-wide. And then that trickles down to everybody else and they can appreciate how it is that they can and should be able to vacation um, when they're part of your team. Now, what if you can't do vacations? Like, it's just not something that's in your, I don't want to say in your DNA, but right now where you're at, I know I'm going really, really long today, I apologize, but it's really important <laughs> to vacation properly. I really want you to be able to unplug properly and to your best, uh, best ability. So then do the mini breaks. We don't have a lot of time to talk about that, but try to find mini breaks. So that's the Sabbath concept, one day a week, where you do actually disconnect. You take a long, you take that extra day on the weekend. So it's a Monday or the Friday before, and that gives you the time to really disconnect for a short extended period. But again, it's not so much that you have the time, it's a question of how you use the time. And so being able to figure out ways to disconnect creating Sabbath in your life, which is how we talked about it at the other time, way back when, earlier on in Coaching with the Bible, really actually then gives you the opportunity to disconnect, to get that space in your mind, to put yourself in a position where you can actually rest and actually recuperate, recover, and be reinvigorated and reanimated when it is that you come back on the other side of it. And to end with a quote, as always we do here on Coaching with the Bible, is this. Vacations mean a change of pace a gentleness with ourselves, a time of rest and renewal, and a time to stretch ourselves and encounter new people, new lands, new ways, and new options. That is Coaching with the Bible for this week. See you next week. Have a good one.